Hello, and welcome to Quick Hits, a feature of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, president of Borealis, and this is episode number 13, an episode that I wanted to devote to an item that has been in the news quite a bit lately, especially in the wake of the tension between the United States and Iran, and that is what to do about Iran. Now, we could have asked ourselves this question 40 years ago, and we in fact have been asking ourselves that question for 40 years now about what to do with a regime that is largely seen as an enemy to the West. It's a theocratic regime that has brutalized its own people for the better part of two generations. And there's a lot of talk in the wake of what happened between the assassination of IRGC General Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian retaliation a few days later, which didn't do a lot of damage. Although I did read that U.S. President Trump's initial reports that no U.S. service people had been injured was actually false, that several had suffered concussions, obviously from the blast that uh, targeted a remote part of the airbase in Iraq. And of course, the downing of the Ukrainian airliner mistakenly by an Iranian surface-to-air air missile battery that saw the passenger aircraft as a potential threat, i.e. an American retaliation for the Iranian retaliation of the American hit against Soleimani. So the question then remains, what next? What do we do? Well, uh, a week ago or so, there was a report in the Canadian media that former Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper had called for the regime change in Iran. Now, I, I see a report in today's National Post in which Chris Selly, who is a regular columnist with that paper, states that, in fact, former Prime Minister Harper was misquoted. In fact, he just called for change, not regime change in Iran. I want to devote this short podcast to this notion of regime change, what it is, whether or not we should do it, and more importantly, since this is a, a podcast on terrorism, what are the implications of regime change for international terrorist movements and the terrorist threat overall? As I noted, regime change has been on the lips of a lot of people recently and has a lot of historic antecedents all around the world. Sometimes the countries who don't get along with other nations decide to take action unilaterally or in, in conjunction with alliances to remove leaders that they don't like or leaders that are brutalizing their own people or leaders that are in the way of, of deals. I'm thinking of some of the acts in Latin America, in the 1950s by the Americans, in places like Guatemala, in which local presidents were seen as not being too business friendly, or what, what really meant not friendly to US corporate interests, and therefore the CIA arranged coups that brought in people that would kowtow to American demands. So what is our recent history of regime change, and more importantly, that history as it's linked to terrorism? Where do I start? Well, you couldn't start with the overthrow of Saddam Hussein in Iraq with the American invasion of 2000, in 2003, ostensibly for weapons of mass destruction links to 9-11 or housing Al-Qaeda. And where is Iraq today? Well, Iraq's not a very good place. Yes, they're a democracy, but they're a democracy in which they have many foreign forces on their soil, ostensibly to fight Islamic State and other terrorist groups. There is heavy Iranian influence in the Iraqi parliament and so we've, take, we've gotten rid of a dictator, and there's no question Saddam Hussein was a brutal dictator who terrorized his own people for decades and replaced it with complete uncertainty. As I've noted many times, and I'll, I'll just say this one more time, the American invasion of Iraq 2003 led directly, within a few years, to the creation of Islamic State. So the removal of a dictator, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing that dictators need to be taken to task, opened up the terrain for a major terrorist group, in fact, one of, the, one, of the, one of the major terrorist groups in the world to occupy that vacuum. Where else have we seen regime change? Well, the Ethiopians back in 2005 decided to invade Somalia because they didn't like a group called the Islamic Courts Union, which is a very fundamentalist, intolerant, hateful 
strain of Islam that they were practicing at the time. And their invasion led to instability, which led to the creation of Al-Shabaab. If you're following the news at all, and I've talked about this in previous podcasts, Al-Shabaab is carrying out acts of terrorism on a weekly basis in Somalia and increasingly in northeastern Kenya, which is causing grave problems for the Kenyan government. Okay, so that's two regimes that have been overthrown uh, violently by the force from the outside, i.e. international actors meddling in countries where they don't belong, and we've had an increase in terrorism. Well, what do we do about Iran then? Well, it seems for the time being, and this I'm speaking to you on January the 18th, so matters appear to have settled down a little bit over the past week or so, although there's rhetoric still rising on both sides. The uh, Ayatollah Khamenei, the supreme leader in Iran, has said some things about the United States. It has threatened European partners. If NATO does anything against Iran, it has threatened other European nations. If they take Iran's nuclear program to the dispute um, settlement mechanism, that's under the old accord that was signed a couple of years ago. And the Americans have responded. Uh, Donald Trump, not surprisingly, has sent some tweets that warning Iran not to say nasty things about Iran, about the United States, rather. So it, it certainly is possible that tensions could rise again. We are still left with the question, what do we do about Iran? Do we, and by we, I mean United States and its allies, take effective action, concrete action, to engineer the removal of the Iranian regime? Now, there's no question that the Iranian regime, the theocracy under Ayatollah Khamenei, the IRGC, and the other structures that are part of that labyrinthine government structure in Iran are not nice people. They brutalize their own population on a regular basis. They sponsor terrorist groups in places like Lebanon and the West Bank. They have funded a lot of nasty things around the world for a very long time. And I, like many other people, would want nothing more than to see the back end of that particular regime. To be replaced with what? That's the critical question. That's the, as I used to say, the old $64,000 question, although maybe with inflation that should be a $64 million question. There's no guarantee that regime overthrowing by force, by outside partners, leads to stability. Libya is another example. Qaddafi was removed a few years ago by European armies with some help from the United States. No question Qaddafi was a brutal son of a bitch whose regime was absolutely torturous against Libyan people. And he too was a major sponsor of terrorist groups abroad. So great, Qaddafi's gone. He was killed by his own people. Rather ignominiously, he was trying to hide in a sewer pipe and they took him out and they beat him to death. How's Libya doing today as of January 2020? How about not good? Libya is a cauldron of various international meddling actors. There are forces from at least eight different countries in Libya right now, Turkey being the most recent one to send forces. There are two rival governments, one called the General National Corps in Tripoli, and then another under the forces of a general called Haftar. Different countries backing different factions. Islamic State has an affiliate in Libya. There are concerns that the increasing instability will lead to more immigration across the Mediterranean to Europe. So no, Libya is a hellhole since Gaddafi left, since Gaddafi was ousted by force, regime change by an outside power. We're therefore left with the I, I, I word I use an awful lot, a phrase I use an awful lot, and that's Dan if we do and Dan if we don't. So the removal of Gaddafi led to the instability that is Libya today. And it is now a cauldron for terrorist movements, not just in Libya itself, but across the Sahel. What then if we were to do the same thing in Iran? We always think that if we engage in a regime change that somehow the people who are no longer in the thrall of a dictator 
will bow down to us and praise us and usher in a new era of peace and tranquility and lollipops for all. And how often does that happen? I would submit rarely, if at all. Some would say, well, you know, World War II, after the f defeat of Germany and Japan, there was eventually the creation of democratic governments. Didn't happen overnight. And it also happened because we put an awful lot of investment into both countries, the Marshall Plan, et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to do that in Iran. We didn't do it in Libya. We didn't do it in Iraq. So we're left with this notion that we may feel smug in, in advocating for regime change, but at the end of the day, is it the right idea? And then where do you stop? Do you remove the Maduro government in Venezuela by force? Is that regime change we want? Do you remove North Korea's North Korean leader Kim by force? We, we, you know, what about Xi Jinping in China, responsible for the genocide against the Muslim Uyghurs in northwestern Xinjiang province? We remove him by force because he's a dictator? Is that a kind of regime change we want? Bottom line is that very rarely is this thought out carefully. Very rarely do we have all the facts before us, and very rarely do we have a day after plan. It, we didn't have a day after plan for Saddam Hussein. We didn't have one for when Gaddafi was overthrown. The Ethiopians didn't have one after the Islamic Courts Union dissolved. And if, if we decide to go into Iran big time and affect regime change, it may be good for a day or two, but history is not, not our friend in this regard. So it looks like regime change carried out by force actually exacerbates terrorism. It does not resolve it. We might want to think very carefully and think twice, if not 22 times, about whether we should help to overthrow the current theocratic regime in Iran. That's just my two cents worth. Love to hear what you think about this. You can reach me on Gmail, borealisrisk at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at borealisaves, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. You can also subscribe to all the content of Borealis. Go to my website, www.borealisthreatenrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button, fill in your information, and you get all the content free. Podcasts, perspectives, today in terrorism, everything else that I post on my website. That's it for Quick Hits episode number 13. I'm sure I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.